All right, Gerald, grab a shovel. We're going to go dig you up a new girlfriend. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald here with you. And over on the other side is a beautiful, dead human being that I brought back to life. 25 years ago, and he's finally got all the parts necessary to podcast, including the glasses. How are you, glasses guy? Uh, this is uh, glasses guy here reporting live from Brother Gerald's sleepaway camp. Uh, <laughs> it is getting creepy, ladies and gentlemen. It is getting man, I tell you, creepy. Uh, YouTube audience will know, but Nick is in a threesome with two Geralds right now. So <laughs> <laughs> if you think things can't get worse for you, just tune into this video link below. That's, uh, um, that's, that's what you get when you, when you come to uh, brother Gerald's <laughs> sleepaway camp, buddy. It is. We're talking about Lisa Frankenstein tonight, which got released this past weekend in theaters around the globe. That's right. Baby. I got to apologize. We're releasing this episode roughly a day late, a day and a half late ish um yeah um, i've been how, sick how dare you um i have been what sick. gives you the right i mean it's um, the worst timing because i got really sick on super bowl sunday which is when we were initially supposed to record this and i was like all right well let's push it to monday it's super bowl whatever monday i felt worse i didn't even go to man. work monday and i like never call out of work and i couldn't even go to work uh it was brutal those two days i thought i was dying and of course my wife's like well, you're a man and you're sick, so of course you're dying. <laughs> you know. True. Uh, but I made it. <laughs> yeah. But I made it. I'm here. And fast forward a few days, and I feel the best I felt this week so far, even though I'm still a little under the weather. So sorry about the graveliness in my voice. But like I said, Nick and I are here to give our take on Lisa Frankenstein, the new Diablo Cody pinned kind of horror comedy. So we will get into that. But before we do, Nick, we start every episode out. Shouting out the fans over in one big question. You've got to ask yourself a question. I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? Number two, oh, what right. gives you the right, Gerald? <laughs> to be sick? To to be know. sick. You don't, listen, you give the Peas fans, <laughs> they come first compared to your yeah. health. Even this if you keel over and die on the microphone, like mm. at least they know that you gave them your all. Now what are they going to think? Hmm? You're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, it's not 2020. What am I doing? All right. <laughs> it was okay to be sick in 2020. That's my joke. Man. All right. What do you What do you got over there, man? One big question. All right. So I really, really like this question. I thought it was fun, kind of fit because this is this is supposed to be a fun, quirky, campy horror comedy thingy that's reminiscent sure. of like you know 80s kind of those those, those kind of yeah. same weird 80s quirky uh, movies or whatever. So Brad, our good buddy Brad from yeah. Old Man Brad. Yeah, man. If that's not how he says old man Brad the show, if it's not old, yeah, what are we doing? old man Brad, then uh, Brad, you're doing it wrong. He said, what are we doing? Yeah. What 80s song would you play or sing at the piano? Because obviously there's a sequence in this movie where that happens. So Ooh, that's I didn't even see this question. I don't have time to prep for this. I didn't I didn't even Why, Brad we, dropping some real questions for the first time in his life. <laughs> I All right, fine. Brad also asked, is this the flash of Tim Burton? There you go. There okay. You go. <laughs> there you go. That's more of a Brad question. Uh, what 80s song would I play at the piano? Wow. Uh, do you have one? Do you want to give your answer first? Do you have one? I would. I, I, I'm, tr I'm struggling to think of like the exact song, but I'd probably, probably some like David Lee Roth, Van Halen song. Get me on there doing mm. some jump 
on the on the piano or, or something like that like that'd be really really awesome i'd really really love that uh throw me yeah throw me on there throw me on there doing some some 80s 80s van halen i'd be i'd be rocking that all day long i keep coming back to this image in my mind of hot like, for teacher oh gee. that'd be good oh that'd be good that'd be good it would kind of make sense in this uh setting too on piano though i mean that's a that drum anyway i'm sorry never mind I'm kind of, I'm kind of keep going back to this idea in my head. It's funny you mentioned Hot for Teacher because I'm thinking of like big '80s hair band, like glam metal, but kind of oh, yeah. like dialed down to a really melodic. You got some poison going on in here. You gonna get some crew? I do. Ooh. I do. And you know why? Because I, I was thinking like something to believe in, poison, you know, and that's on the piano, you know. I mean, obviously okay. other instruments too. But do like one of their like high voltage numbers but like dial it down and make it like a really kind of beautiful piano number like i don't know nothing but a good time or i want action but make it like Ooh, kind of i a like it slow melody you know uh so yeah let's do poison i'll say I'm change my nothing answer, but a good time and i'm gonna say anything jim steinman wrote in the 80s give me some yeah. loaf up on there for sure give me some bonnie tyler up on there i don't know when total eclipse came out i want to say it was in the 80s I'd I rock say, that. Though, yeah, without a doubt. I got to say, though, let's give Brad a round of applause for actually asking an actual question. What's it been like? He's been a fan of my show for seven years. And I think that's the first legitimate question. Oh, 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 oh. Our everybody. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't. Wow. We can't. Not, his ego is already. The crowd guys. goes wild. No, no, no. Yeah. Don't do that to Brad. Man. And, what if he uh, starts to think that people like him? And Brad just did, you mentioned old man Brad. He just did uh, an episode of no, reviewing you. this. I haven't listened yet. Oh, oh old man Brad. Man, Brad. And if that's not how I you're saying the name of your show, then. I have, yeah, figure that out if that's not how you're doing that. I haven't listened yet because I wanted to record our episode first. But he just did an episode on Lisa Frankenstein with his wife, which I thought was sweet and nice. So I'm going to go Aww. back and listen to that. Shout out to Kara. The movie. Not to Brad. And then they'll get to, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. I'm tuning in for Carol. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, one big question. That was it, right? We gave our answers. We're good. You said you had a double header. You're going to ask the other one later. That was it. Yeah, we're, we're going to do the other one when we get into the film proper. All right, cool. So, Lisa Frankenstein is the main review this week, directed by Zelda Williams, who is daughter of Robin Williams. This is her first feature film, written by Diablo Cody, starring Catherine Newton, Cole Sprouse, and a host of others. Not very many main characters in this movie, though, but we will get into that and the rest of the film as well. But what we do at the top of every review, guys, is we decide to give our ranking out of 10, our individual scores out of 10. We have not discussed it with each other in advance, and no, it's no. a segment we call the Early Score Reveal. Damn it, this always happens. I think I'm going to score, and then I never score. It's not fair. Just not fair. Bam. Is it fair, though? Let's see. Lisa Frankenstein. Nick... I was, by the way, before you give your score, and I get really before I give my score, uh, this is in my top like 15 or so most anticipated of this year. Top when I 15? Saw, yeah, I think it was like my 13 or 14 when I made that oh list. Oh my God. Well, it, it's got Gerald written all over it. I mean, you know that. I mean, it, you it, it really anything, does. Yeah, you could see anything wrong. that has anything to do with this movie, and you're like, okay, well, Gerald's going to love that. We'll get into that, but. It definitely sparked my interest from the very, very beginning. And then to find out Diablo Cody was, I mean, come on, man. I, I was all about it. Jennifer's yep. body's one of my faves and so on. So 
All right, man, here we go. Three, two, one. Our score's out of ten, man, guys. I can't Five. see it. Oh, you, 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 a bitch. <laughs> uh, a seven, a seven out of ten is the accurate score, which is what I'm giving it. And wow. Nick is holding up a five. The accurate. Out of 10. Look, I'm, there's a five right next wow. to your head. How can you deny it? Nick, you, some of a bitch. I really wanted you to be on board with me with this. All right, Lisa Frankenstein. So now that we've given our scores, we will have a bit of a spoiler-free talk here in the beginning with our general thoughts, and then we will let you guys know when we get into the spoilers for this movie if you have not seen it. But you're safe for the next few minutes. Nick, uh, what do you want to do, man? You want me to bat, uh, kick off, or what do you want to do? You gave Let me give it to me. Let me have it. For me, the movie was definitely a little wacky in the first, like, half hour, okay? It took a while to find its footing and I didn't really know what it was like I didn't know where what it was trying to be but once I kind of figure that out which a lot of stuff I'll be able to explain in the spoiler discussion after that first act or so I was like all in it's basically once Cole Sprouse kind of comes into the mix once he kind of reanimates uh -huh. From that moment on, I was in love with this movie. The first act of the film felt very disjointed to me, and it was kind of like a juggling act, and they kept dropping the balls while they were juggling. But once, like I said, once I figured it out, like, okay, this movie's going to be this. It's not going to be that. Which I feel like the marketing for this movie, the trailers certainly, but even down to like the poster and some of the Twitter posts and stuff that the promotional campaign didn't really paint this movie as what it ended up being. It was much more painted as like this kind of like warm bodies. Did you ever see that movie where it's like, you know, oh, a teenage girl falls in love with this teenage monster and helps him find his true right, humanity right, yeah. and like you know, all that shit. It didn't play out to be that way. It played out to be something, in my opinion, a lot more dark and macabre and just kind of weird. And I love that. I mean, we already kind of talked about how this really spoke to my sensibilities. I wanted to love it more. Like, I wanted to walk away with this thing, like, showing you a 9 or a 10. But it just took a while to get to where it needed to get for me personally. But once it got there, and we'll talk about a lot of this stuff in spoilers. I can't really get into it quite yet. But once it got there, I was in love with this thing the last, like, 60% of this movie. I loved it, especially when things started to kind of get, quote, unquote, violent and dark. That was right up my alley. I thought Catherine Newton fucking ate every last crumb in this role. She literally is becoming one of the modern day like screen queens. I mean, Freaky and this together back to back in terms of the horror genre. I know she did Ant-Man and like whatever, but also to speak to that, I mean, she could have done that Marvel property, which she did and walked away with that fat paycheck and did any number of, you know, studio things and been fine but she chose to do this right. little niche super bowl weekend released you know indie that's not making jack shit and i think it really speaks to her character as an actress and the kind of stuff that she kind of wants to be that she wants to dabble in i thought she killed i thought cole sprouse was great i thought i was going to kind of hate him in this <laughs> i think of zach and cody from the disney channel you know but I thought he was great. I mean, he had virtually no dialogue in this movie. And the com a lot of the comedy in this film comes from his just, like, subtle grunts and shit that he'll, you know, like, kind of figuring yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. out. But responding by grunting and looks, you know, his facial expressions. Uh, there's some stuff that didn't work for me. And, you know, obviously we'll talk about it. I mean, I gave it a seven. But at the end of the day, 
uh, I, I love the aesthetic of this movie. I thought it knew what it wanted to be once it figured that out. And it, and I don't know if it was me kind of playing catch up with like what Cody was doing with the page or how Williams was kind of bringing that to life. Um, but it, it just kind of took me a minute, but then I was like, all right, well, this is going to be a dark fucked up, like we're, this is fucking weird, you know? And I was like, all right, let's do it. It's fucking weird. And it kind of got weirder from there. And, you know, I, I've heard people make uh, references to, like, Edward Scissorhands and uh, Heathers, which I see a lot of that in here. And you mentioned even in, in your open about the 80s, kind of quirky 80s rom-coms and that kind of stuff and the dark humor. And I do see all that stuff, and it's right up my alley, brother. So I wanted to love it more, but it comes in as a very good around a seven for me. What about you? What What did it miss for you, man? So I don't disagree with you about the opening of the movie, about the first act of the movie. I think that they had this idea of girl resurrects like a monster boy and, you know, like sews him back together and like, you know, kind of restores little bits of it. I think they had that kind of core idea and I don't think they really knew how to start the movie to get you adequately to that idea because yes, it feels very, very clunky, but here's the kind of thing about this. This movie's not for me. It's not made for me. I am over 40 years old. I was born in 1980, okay? But I do not have this nostalgic love for all of the 80s properties that this is definitely kind of throwing back to and definitely drawing a lot of inspiration from, like your Beetlejuice, your Edward Scissorhands, your Heathers, your Weird Science, like all those kind of 80s movies that I've sure, seen a lot yeah. of people talking about with this. I don't, have any, I don't have any nostalgia for any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I didn't see most of those things until I was an adult where, you know, those rose-colored glasses that you wear when you're a kid, just, you know, they, they, the, the, the nostalgia glasses aren't there for me for it. So I, it kind of like every time, like it had a lot of moments like this to me, Gerald, where I was just kind of like, <laughs> like those kind of like lighthearted, like super lighthearted chuckle moments where I knew it wanted me to find it funnier and I didn't. And I knew it wanted me to care more about these characters, but I didn't. I really feel like the first act of this movie really needed to do a better job establishing these characters before it threw you headlong into this plot. But I think they just didn't have a good way to really shove you into it. So they just kind of just got you into it, like however they necessarily had to. And I think that all the performances are great in this movie. You mentioned Catherine Newton. I think she's great. I think Liza Soberano is great as Taffy Gina Gershon. Come on. Like, so good. She's so, so good in this movie. Uh, uh, like, I really Carl, love Carla the cast. Gugino. Carla Gugino. You said Gina that... Gershon. I wish oh. Gina Gershon were in this, but Carla Gugino. Yeah, Carla Gugino. Yeah, sorry. Uh, really, really great. But, yeah, it just, it never, it never caught me. It never hooked me. It never, it never grabbed me. Uh, it, it, and really made me fall in love with it like I kind of hoped that it would. Uh, I really wanted to love it. I love Diablo Cody. I was really looking forward to big things from Zelda Williams. But I, like I said, it just never, it, 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 I never bought into its charm. And, and, and I think a lot of that, for me at least, at least kind of what I thought about a lot since I saw it is this, like I said, it just, I think it plays hard to that 80s nostalgia crowd that really, really loves all those movies. And like that kind of that whole vibe that I mentioned, I don't. And as a result, like this just didn't do it for me. We'll get into spoilers now, guys. Going forward, anything we talk about with Lisa Frankenstein will be spoiler E. 
So do not listen if you have not seen the movie and you care about that. Come back after you see Lisa Frankenstein because we're going to be getting into spoilers here, guys. So let's talk a little bit about, we're not going to walk through scene by scene because we don't do that. But uh, the character of Lisa, which by the way, there's, I don't want to get off track here, but there's a lot of things I loved about this movie before I even saw it. (laughs) You know, which uh, does speak to my rose-colored glasses like you were saying, and I get that. But, you know, Lisa Frank even. Are you familiar with that line of like school supplies and stuff from the eighties where it was like I'm the really uh, bright colored unicorns and like glitter and shit? I'm like vaguely that, aware of what you're talking about. Yes. So that was Lisa Frank. So I kind of love the kind of callback there too. Um, Cause that was like prime trapper keeper eighties kind of shit. Okay. Um, but her character, Lisa swallows in the movie, which is kind of hilarious too is kind of that Lydia Dietz character from Beetlejuice, maybe a couple years older, but that kind of weird goth girl who's an outcast, but still has a connection. In this case, it's through her stepsister, who's the popular cheerleader. So this brutal thing happens to her mom, and she's basically axe-murdered in front of her. And... Fast forward, I don't even know if they give us a timeline, but anyway, she's now, her father's now remarried to Carla Gugino's character. Yeah. And uh, her daughter is now her stepsister. So that's the family she's with now. But what was fascinating about, and when I kind of realized what Cody was doing here on the page, and I thought Williams did a great job translating the kind of mood of Cody's writings, was that she was kind of, diving into the the dark deep psyche of a teenager that's going through a coming of age crossroads in her life while at the same time dealing with the most brutal tragedy imaginable like could you imagine one of your parents being murdered by an axe murderer (laughs) like and then having to deal with that while at the same time growing up in high school um So it was a very, that's why Heather's kind of speaks to me a lot because of some of the brutal things that happened in that movie. Uh, You know, Christian Slater's primarily the conduit for a lot of the things that happened in that film from a violence perspective. But when you peel back what this movie kind of looked like in the trailers and the promotional stuff, and you look at it as a study of kind of what Lisa is going through as a character, and then we get to the point where Cole Sprouse is introduced as the creature. I, I from that moment I was like I want to follow her journey because she her character dealing with what she was dealing with from her from the tragedy with her mom essentially and then also having to deal with you know the bitch stepmother and you know I want to hear about your opinions of that character and how that played into the story they ultimately end up or I should say the creature ultimately ends up you know killing her and that's when it kind of goes like, all right, you know, she killed her stepmom. I mean, it's like all bets are off, you know, and we kind of learned the fun, if you will, part of the whole thing. And that's about kind of bringing him to life by getting these body parts from these various victims. And then she becomes part of it, right? Because she, she lures the dude out to the woods that had a crush on her or whatever. And they end up killing him and taking the, his the dude that hand. sexually assaulted her, Gerald, not the dude That's that had right, a crush on her. <laughs> no, I, you know, you're right. Yeah. So, but I love. I, I, I guess I want to hear your opinion on this, and maybe you didn't think about it this way, but I just in the moment was like, "Wow, like this is not a bubblegum 
kind of like you mentioned Beetlejuice. Like I love Beetlejuice, but to me that's more like a – in other words, let me put it to you this way. Like I would watch Beetlejuice with my kids right now and have a blast. I would not watch Lisa Frankenstein with them because I feel like it's a very dark kind of psychological story. And it's about her kind of going through this tragedy and then how these other kind of like creative things play out, but it's all a part of her dealing with what happened to her. Does any of this make sense? What I'm saying? I don't, I mean, I, I, I did not watch the same movie you did uh, clearly. So, I mean, yeah, they had the backstory of the mom being brutally ax murdered. Like they, and maybe I'm wrong and maybe I just read it wrong and maybe I was anticipating something that the film was never going to pay off but like it really set it up to me like it was going to be something that was going to come back or be paid off at some different point in the film that's true like why make it such a specific thing of like an axe murderer by like some like didn't they like very clearly describe like some dude wearing a weird mask or like some other like weird like different thing like it it all seemed like very specific like it was it was too much of like a very specific horror movie kind of setup mm-hmm. and then like i'm not saying i wanted them to just play that same chord that all horror movies play and just bring like that whole thing full circle because it wouldn't have made sense what i'm saying is is it doesn't really impact for me like the viewing of this film her mom could have died in any way her mom could have uh, fallen sure. off a mountain in a ski accident or been in a car accident or their house could have burned down and it would have meant sure. just as much to me as like this axe murdering thing so that to me alone sets up this really weird it was a weird detail i get what weird you're detail yeah like and it just kind of stuck out to me like this this kind of weird thing i guess which was really really weird uh you know i i i really i i didn't i didn't dislike that character's kind of journey i guess but it just all happened a little bit too neatly and a little bit too quickly for me i think this is one of those kind of scripts and people might disagree with it but i really feel like this could have used another five to ten minutes sprinkled throughout it of just little moments to continue to develop like her family and her relationship with her stepsister which was obviously like one of the strongest you know relationships in the film she kind of swerves on cole sprouse's creature way too fast like in one scene she's running terrified from him and then it literally like literally in the next scene he's like in her room without like he had like a hood on or something at, at the first and then like he, he's up in her room and like she immediately is like swerves and is like i would have liked to seen that like take more time to develop where she's not just like she just automatically and like i guess the movie is like too it's too breakneck is what I guess I'm trying to say. Like it's too involved in, in like trying to just slam you forward through this plot that it doesn't take enough time to let these things develop. Like that needed to develop a little bit more for me. Like she has this visceral reaction and like, she's fighting him off and like, you know, hitting him with stuff and throwing stuff at him and like all this stuff. And then like literally a minute later is up in, is up in her room. And she's just like here, hide in my closet. Like all that just, that happened all way, way too fast for me. And yeah, I I think, I, I get what you're saying. I think it, a lot of people have criticized the pacing of it, and I kind of I see that. But I was bought into it from I, I thought that scene was hilarious. First of all, when he comes back to the house and she's you know she's on the couch eating popcorn, watching a movie in her pajamas, and you know he shows up and the whole running through the house and shit. I I love that whole scene. I thought it was really well done. It was really funny, but it is breakneck. You're right because then it's like oh well, she realizes it's the uh, you know, reanimated version of the statue that she's been visiting in the cemetery. And once she realizes that, she feels some kind of eerie, like, sense of comfort because 
she's been visiting his grave for who knows how long, you know, reading him poetry and all that kind of shit. And she gave him her mother's beads, which he still has. And so I don't know. I think that her, again, the, the kind of dissection of Lisa Frankenstein's psyche in this movie, the way Cody wrote those things into the way the story played out. It makes sense to me because I feel like she's detached from what's actually happening so this is a very surreal movie, right? Like this is not something that you're going to walk into your neighbor's house and see this kind of shit happening. So from a, I think and it, we, plays, you know, we, it plays as surreal at first. And I thought it was going to be this real, this really like otherworldly kind of surrealism the whole time, mm -hmm. but it mm -hmm. kind of abandons it as it goes on. Like it kind of disappears after the first act. And then it kind of settles, like kind of once the creature kills the stepmom. Like it I settles agree. out of the surrealism and it kind of shifts more into like, because I, I was I, the yeah. whole time I'm like expecting like they're going to reanimate more people or like, like when, when the stepmom dies, when they, when they kill the stepmom and then all of a sudden, like she's supposed to be on a trip in like Milwaukee or something. And then they're like, oh, I don't know where she is or like whatever happened. Like I really expected them to be like, we'll go get her and throw her in the, in the tanning bed and let's bring her back bring to her life. Back. Yeah, like that's yeah. kind of what I, like I, like I really had hoped that it would stick with that kind of surrealistic mood and like this really weird macabre, like different thing it was trying cool. to do. But then it kind of just, that just went by the wayside and then it just became this weird, like, well, I don't I know. I, I don't just... disagree with you. However, I don't dislike that trope as much as you do, because I think that was intentional. Um, speaking from a collaborative point of view on Cody and Williams's part, because and the performances too, really. But I think that was intentional because as the movie goes on and has the monster becomes more real and he becomes closer to coming to life because of these different things that they're doing, the story becomes much more real. And when we get to the last act of the film, it's a really harrowing kind of scene, you know? I mean, it's PG-13, and I think that comes up in the fan feedback, and I think maybe that hurt this film a little bit, too, from a storytelling perspective. But, you know, it comes to a, a pretty, like, deadly climax with teenagers being slaughtered, and, you know, he's got the axe, and he's yielding it at the one dude that ended up cheating, or not cheating on, but, you know, getting with the sister which caused this love triangle and jealousy and everything and then lisa's in the middle like because she loves her stepsister but she also you know thinks that she loves this dude that's being attacked and then she also has an affinity for the creature that she has been her pet basically but like you know what i mean like do you see what i'm saying like as the movie went on like especially the last act of the film when essentially she kills herself i mean that whole 20 to 30 minute sequence at the end is a very dark like it's fucked up like if you think about it non-surreal like if you think about it in the real world but i think it, the movie intentionally has that arc or that um meter that dial where it goes from surreal to holy shit this is fucked up this is some fucked yeah. up shit i don't uh, disagree what, what with my you. Kids i think doing in high school i think it's an intentional thing that the film does i just it just didn't work for me uh it just it just really never it really never sank in when it turned that dial and when it wanted it to settle into being like all this weird like crazy stuff happening 
and whatever. Like I said, I just never, I just never really, I just never really bought into it. Like I was never fully on board. Like you said, like a lot of it, like even like you have the scene where they're like running around outside and like she's outside screaming and stuff. And the neighbors are across the street, just like making weird commentary, like not looking at what's right. actually happening and making weird commentary. Like I said, there's scenes that are very, very deliberately scripted and shot to be really funny. And like I said, I sat there like this. I was just like, <laughs> like it but just, like it scene. just, it did not, it did not sink its claws into me. Like no matter what, like I just, I, for some reason, I just felt, I just couldn't reach this film. If that makes sense. Like, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it, but like, I, I couldn't access it. Like whether it was something in me or something in the movie or whether it was both, like I just never fully bought into the, 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 the road that this was trying to take me on. And, you know, I probably, I probably wish it would have maybe gone in some different directions or, or something like that. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know, but I just, I was just never, I was just never, never on board. Like, and like all the turns that the film took, like you get to like the point where like you're talking about where, you know, she comes in on the, like the guy she likes is in bed with her sister. And then the monster cuts off his penis and everything. And then they sew the penis on and, and, you know, like that yeah. way she can have yeah. sex with the monster and stuff like that. And like, I mean, yeah. like it's it, like it stayed in this like really weird macabre, like sensibility the whole time, which I didn't dislike. I thought it was a good atmosphere for the film, but Sure. I just I wanted to get more invested in these characters and I and I and I just I just couldn't and and I don't know I I can't describe it any better than that just to say that the, like it just was inaccessible to me in some some way shape or form. Uh you mentioned Lisa Soberano earlier and uh, played the sister here um Taffy. And that last act too where she has that scene and kind of realism and come to terms with the fact that you know Lisa was responsible for her mom's death. A, and then B, she's being caught in bed with this guy that, you know, Lisa had a crush on, and he's being wielded with an axe by some monster that she didn't know existed. Yeah. All this shit that's kind of happening to her character, too. And then that scene that they shared in the car when uh, she was just, like, basically fraught with fear and had blood all over her and was just in the car shaking in fear... And Catherine Newton, you know, Lisa's telling her, like, look, I love you. Like, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't want any of this to happen to you. I mean, whatever the dialogue was. But, I, you know, I felt that the scene between the two of them, that, that couple minutes there, was – that's the best way I can describe, like, the realness of this movie and where it sits really heavy on the heart. Well, and her reactions to everything that, that happens, like, once she starts realizing what's going on around her and, and, and is reacting to everything that's happening, like, she's giving the realistic, like – the real like if you were just viewing this thing happening in the real world ignoring the fact that it's like a reanimated monster and those kinds of different things like mm -hmm. yeah she's reacting to it very much as like kind of a casual like she's she kind of becomes the audience surrogate at that point in a way mm -hmm. uh where she's where she's like really reacting to it how well presumably not horror guys like you but presumably norm normies <laughs> like me would react to seeing you know someone's Wayne getting lopped off and mm -hmm. you know getting butchered with an axe and in all this uh all this different sure. stuff so you know sure yeah I, uh, some other like sub things that also really brought my score up for this movie i, I love the freaking music in this dude uh i mean there there's some so good needle drops great, in this so many great sound drops in this um you know we mentioned the piano scene with the ario speedwagon number that he does that's good man and it's so it's that's real good that's probably one of my favorite like my favorite part of the movie like that was good that, like that, that was really so good, good. It's, she's just hamming it up singing the tune along with with him playing the piano there but anyway yeah you got the pixie sound drop the wave of mutilation 
when she's at the gravesite. I freaking love that song. And when they dropped that, I was like, oh, shit. That song uh, you totally remembered the name of, that one? Yeah, I remembered it. I didn't even yeah. have to look that up. Came guys. right to them, folks. <laughs> In my defense, I knew it was the Pixies. Uh, it starts with our very first 80s soundtrack is, is The Promise by When in Rome, which was also used in Napoleon Dynamite to yeah. amazing effect. That that bought me into the movie right away. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah I was we're, like, oh, we're shit. pulling from the Napoleon Dynamite soundtrack. Like, I'm already on board yeah. with this, man. Like, let's go. If you're, if you're using When in Rome, holy shit, you're starting yeah, out like, at the 10. I mean, and then fun. they used, they used um, I can tell uh, we are going to be friends, too, like later on in uh, in the movie, too. So yep, I was just had, like... Uh, yeah, like they had yeah. a some good they had an eighties they had an eighties uh kind of like neo punk band that I really love called the Jesus and Mary Chain and they used a song from theirs called Head On. And that's only gonna speak to like me and a few weird freaks from the eighties, but um I loved hearing that too. That's one of my favorite songs. And then they they had the really cool callbacks to some eighties stuff too. Like they mentioned the cure and she's like talking about I got the cure, I'll put it on for you and he thinks she means a cure for what's wrong with him. And she's like, oh, no, it won't. It can't help you. Well, it will emotionally, but not right. physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's just Diablo Cody, man. She's just so fucking good with words. And, um, you know, there's a reason. She's a really she's... witty. She's a really witty writer. Yeah. Uh, she she can come up with some really, like, really witty, just clever, almost like blink and you'll miss it sort of stuff that that fills out the corners of the pages of the screenplay and stuff like that. I just, I, all those moments, like all those little tiny bits, like we've been talking about there and like the needle drops and like those different aspects. Like I loved like the costume design in this, I thought was really, really great. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I loved like a design lot was awesome. of aspects of this. I, I like, just, there was shit. Yeah. There was shit in their house in this movie that, I feel like I remember seeing in like my own friends' houses in the eighties. Like I, mean, I feel it like, like I feel one like of my buddies' houses. You know, we just that, need to bring uh, back. The like I thought, I thought that like the modern day yoga pant was like like on its own, but it was like it's definitely like the 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 <laughs> and the the descendant of its great ancestor, the the eighties spandex workout suit. Yeah, yeah, uh, for that, sure. That Carlo Gugino wears the which, leg warmers I mean, man, and shit. She is still so, absolutely dynamite, man. Do you want to talk about her character a little bit in this movie? I, I mean, loved, did you I, I like loved her, her wicked stepmother kind of thing. Yeah, like, and 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 here's the thing: like, I feel like we've watched other movies not like this. To say like this is kind of a, a, a but other movies where some character in it, some actor in it, seemed to understand the assignment differently or better. She right. is like full on scenery chewing, like tongue yeah. tongue in cheek, like just. She knows what she's super doing. stereotypical, yeah. wicked, evil stepmother. Like she's and she's going for it like hardcore. <laughs> I want every character in this movie to be like that. Like, yeah, no, she and like, great. I mean, it wouldn't make her stand out as much if everybody else was like that. Like right. she would maybe blend more into the background. Uh, she was sensational in this. I loved her. She's one of my favorite parts of this, too. I did, too. She was the best. And yeah. I did a double feature unintentionally because I watched earlier in the evening before I went to see this. My son and I watched the Pauly Shorehelm son-in-law from the '90s, the comedy, and she's the uh, love interest in that in that movie, son-in-law from like 1993 or four. I don't know if it's, you ever saw it's that. a Pauly Shore movie, so I guarantee you, I've never seen it. <laughs> but we watched that, and then I went to see Lisa Frankenstein at the theater a few hours later. And I was like, "Oh, got a Gugino double feature here. This is I could do worse." Uh, but I thought I agree with you. What, what I, I was you you said exactly what I was going to say. I felt like she absolutely looked at the script and said, "Okay, this is what I'm supposed to do with this." Yep. 
this is what I'm going to do, and it's going to be called hamming it up, and that's what she I'm going to do. She I'm going to go full blown, like over the top with this solid, character. solid gold. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was really, really great. I really, really enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed that performance. And like I said, I liked all the performances. I, I thought that the performances and stuff were great. I, I just, I, 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 I really. It's weird. It's weird to say, and it may be people in the audience, like leaving the comments, or you're watching this, or on social media, like you know, like have you ever seen a movie like that where man like you dug the vibe of it and like you really you really wanted to be into it when you when you tuned into it it kicked off with a napoleon dynamite like soundtrack needle drop like it did yeah. everything right but it just i just could not i mean it i just was could not vibe with it like i said at the top of the review i mean it was definitely disjointed and you and i both have kind of given our criticism of kind of like the pacing of it but Another reason why I didn't let that hinder my score too much or my future rewatchability of this movie is because it's Zelda Williams' first feature. And I think that because it was so expertly written, the characters were, were given... I mean, the only character I really didn't... Not that I disliked him, I just it didn't really stand out for me was the dad because he was essentially the dad from Stranger Things. Oh, the dad was the bland same. and boring. He's so bland and boring. He played the same character he it's played a on nothing Stranger Things. character, man. But, I mean, everybody else really stood out, I felt like. I mean, I thought they all really did what they could with the material they had, and they really shined in their moments. Um, but Catherine Newton, I can't speak highly enough of. I mean... She's great. Not just not just in the horror genre, but, I mean, going forward, she will absolutely be on the marquee of names to watch. I mean, I'm just telling you, in the next 10 years, she will be rising, 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 and she will be an absolute big blockbuster star not that she not already is to be honest but i'm I really mean, her... glad this movie didn't try to do that kind of weird trope where it kind of tries to frump up the lead like mm-hmm. you know like she was obviously yeah. like the like the weird girl that was kind of like on the outside like and you know maybe didn't necessarily have as many friends and things like that but she was also still very clearly hot and like one of the hottest dudes in school like wanted her and all that right. kind of stuff. Like, I'm glad they didn't play into like that weird trope of like we got to frump she, her up as much as we can to make her not, right. you know, like look attractive. Like, and you know, she, she definitely still looked too. great too. And she embraced it too. I mean, she embraced like yeah. I'm a weirdo. You know, I love I mean? the wild she, '80s hair, like the wild goth look. Yeah. Like, it was all great. Yeah, all yeah. it was all great. Um, but what she did in Freaky, and then what she did here, I just think she's just an absolute queen. I mean, she's literally slaying every role she's in and I love her. I mean, I didn't like the movie Ant-Man Quantumania or whatever the fuck it was last year, but I mean, even in the Marvel stuff and the TV show, big little lies, she plays Reese Witherspoon's daughter in that movie, her teenage daughter. And she was great on that show. Like I just, I just love her. I think she's going to do even better things uh, in the future. Give Uh, us big little lies season three, you cowards. Yeah, what the hell are you waiting on? God, I love that show. That show's so good. Man. You know what I wanted to ask you? So two things I want to say that I've been thinking about this whole review. Remind me I want to ask you something. I'm putting you on the spot. But before that, I want to say, I think of the reviews that you and I have done since June when we started the show together, this movie is, this is going to sound weird, but I think, like, the feeling of it and the structure of it is most like Bottoms. Like, it's a very surreal like weird kind of story of these high school characters. And at times it will pop out into reality. Bottoms kind of did the opposite where it played it. It played it more straight and it played it more real for the first couple acts. And then it swerved into third act to like the giant massacre of the football team kind of thing. So it kind of reminded me spoiler alert for bottoms, but 
plot <laughs> plot beats for that. What I wanted to put you on the spot for now, I'm not looking at our. I guess I is could my actually. other big question. Was that what you were going to do? Because I didn't throw well, so that what, big question in. It's here. a one big question for you, but it's really because I'm honestly curious. So, you know, when we started this review, guys, Nick gave this one a five, and I gave it a seven. Now, a few months ago, you and I did totally killer, which was a horror comedy that took place in the 80s it was like a time travel slasher or whatever i gave that a five you gave that a seven hey i i'm just i I don't know man i'm just curious where what the major difference for for you is Uh, can you remember totally killer do you know why that one hit harder for you or i don't just i'm just curious i mean i don't I, I don't think that they are as, you know, straightforwardly comparable no, movies. No, but they're both set Other in the 80s. Other than they're 80s, both set in the 80s. I, mean, I, I Like I said, I, I, I mean, I think that one was just plotted better, uh, like, overall. I really, really you enjoyed love the podcaster. The, you love the podcaster. I did love the podcaster. Every, every Hollywood movie <laughs> needs to have a podcaster in it that, you know, has the microphone across the room and oh, man. All, that, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like, I was yeah, taking all that noise out. Speaking of speaking of totally killer as well, like I was actually I was actually thinking about it when I was watching this movie. This has an equally just weird science kind of thing going on with it, where you just have to accept it for what it is that oh, the, the tanning, tanning bed. bed can bring yeah. people back to life or like reanimate like bodies and stuff like that. Like you just yeah. have to. It's the same thing with the time machine and totally killer. You just have to accept it. That just works. No, yeah, you definitely okay? have to. Yeah, like you can't start trying to apply logic and reason to uh, like the tanning bed in the movie or anything like that. Okay. Look, we're gonna spin the wheel in a minute to get. I to did see like what that we're movie. Reviewing next week. you did, yeah. I just want to. I did want to throw saying... in my other question, but though before you oh, before go you go on, um, so Jason asked this. Our, Jason, our good buddy Nerdvert. Yeah. He asked the Julio question, is this the flash of horror comedies? I can't believe he's doing that, too. I would say yes. Uh, this is the flash of horror comedies. No, because it's not the flash of horror comedies. It's like other, like, it's just not as good as other horror comedies. It wants to be, but it just didn't get over the hump. So definitely, uh, definitely right uh, in there. That's the question you're asking, seriously? The Flash was answer. a giant nothing burger of a superhero movie. This is a giant nothing burger of a horror comedy movie. Wow. Ultimately, you know what the worst thing about this movie is, and and, and this is what I really want to say. You. I like, want to be sick again. I don't, critically, I don't do you're gonna vomit everywhere. <laughs> uh, the, the worst thing about this movie, I think, is it's like it's just not it's not memorable really either. I just you know I what? watched you're it two wrong. days Here's ago. Here's what's gonna happen. I don't really remember gonna anything about it either. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna tell you. Now, this is not for you because we know you, and you don't you don't gravitate towards this kind of stuff. Nobody cared about Jennifer's body when that movie came out in like 2010 or whatever the hell it was. That is an absolute cult classic now. Myself included, freaking love that movie. It's literally worshipped by people. Also written by Diablo Cody. Also a very similar kind of high school, weird, surrealistic story. This movie in 10 years, people will still be talking about it. It will be, this has the ingredients to a cult classic with the right generation. I'm just telling you right now. I'm not saying you'll like it. I'm not saying it's going to be your thing. But I will guarantee you this will not be a movie that will be forgotten. That's just all I'm saying. Listener slash viewer of the future, uh, you're wrong. Okay? <laughs> if you're in the totally killer plot and you hear this, I'm a podcaster. I'm going to come back and kill you and your family. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, look, we're going to – do you have anything you want to wrap up on, Lisa Frankenstein, or are you good? It's fine. Hashtag uh, copyright Dan Brennick. It's fine. Yeah, thank you, Dan, for your uh, contribution this week to hashtag it's fine. We should do a new segment for that. Hashtag it's fine. 
I, I disagree. I think it's really fine. But there you go. A seven for me and a five from Nick on Lisa Frankenstein. I say check it out because nobody else is. <laughs> it's not doing very good at the box office. So let's help out uh, indie cinema. If only half of those people that watched the Super Bowl would have went out to see this this weekend. Uh, there'd be some very rich people over there. All right, Nick, we're going to spin the wheel, man. So next week, guys, let me just plug the situation. So every year I do a movie awards to honor the year in film. And I have the film community, film Twitter, all my podcast listeners, YouTube subscribers, whatever. Hold on. On the winners. What's this? Go, what's that? What are you talking about? I don't know what no, you're talking about. I, I've never, no, you I've never heard about, about it. You've never you plugged it on this. the show before, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you don't know about this. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's called the Golden Peas, and this is the seventh year we're doing it. My buddy Brian Loisos is joining me for the fourth year in a row to That's co-host a, it. The God of Podcasting to the you. The God of Podcasting, if you didn't know. And he will smite you if you do not watch and or listen. So that is going to be a live broadcast on Monday the 19th. Uh, the information will be in the show notes for you to check it out. It's obviously going to be available on our YouTube channel if you're watching that way. And then it'll be available forever on YouTube after that. We will also release it in a podcast format for the audio listeners that same week. And uh, voting is closed. I got all of our presenters the winners. They're going to be sending me their video clips and announcing the winners in nine major categories to honor the year in film. And again, that will originally air on Monday night, February 19th, uh, 2024. So make sure you tune in for that. Nick, I need you to be there, by the way, because I need you to help me moderate the chat and answer uh, P's uh, keep faithful keep brad in line just say you need me there to keep brad i need in line. you there That's to fine. i need you there to quiet what do you call it would you i need you to kick brad from the chat oh yeah boot brad for the brad time oh. him out or whatever oh oh <laughs> Let me you're flex. the time out brad person we flex that uh that, that those oh, band muscles man. maybe i'm doing you'll it. never you'll never set a quicker shortcut on your keyboard than you do with that <laughs> what's your what's your kick brad shortcut uh shift b is what i recommend uh, all right, well, don't do that. That might be bold. It might be taken away your bold if you do that. Um, yeah. But, so in addition to the Golden Peas episode, which we're going to release audio format next week, we're also going to do a, re a review for you. I was sick this week. I felt bad. But I got a few days off work, and I miss Nick, and we're going to get together again in a few days, and we're going to do a patron review or a Nick-selected review or a Gerald and myself-selected review because we're going to spin the wheel. And we're going to see what we get for our retro roulette review next week. Nick, you ready to do that, brother? No. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not either. Let me pull it up. All right. So let's spin this wheel, Nick, and let's see if who's picking the movie for our review next week. Now, this was impromptu. We didn't know we were going to do this, but right here. it'll either be the patrons, myself, or Nick, and we will get to select a retro review to talk oh, about. Oh, I can't wait. Give week. it to me. Give it to me. Here we go. Let's spin it. Three, two, one. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. It's off. And who's joining the sex cult? Just kidding. It's the... Patrons again. It's the patrons. It's the patrons, which is... I swear to God, if I got to watch Postocalypse, I swear to God. Oh, God. Here we go. Look at what you've done to us. Again. All right, folks, so I have inputted the 20-plus films on this damn wheel here that Google has provided me. Thank you so much, Google. If you're listening, I am accepting advertisements, uh, opportunities. Okay, so We're advertising the, patron... the Daytona 500 right now, too, apparently. Let's get some of that sweet, sweet NASCAR money. Oh, it's gone. Uh, we're advertising. We're 
advertising life insurance. What the hell is that? No, we're advertising Brad Hargis's horrible taste in fucking movies. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't land on any of his. But what happened to Postocalypse? Gonna... <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to add that. Shit. Do you want me to put that on there? Hang on. I'll do it. <laughs> I forgot. I missed it somehow. Postocalypse. I can't even spell it because it's not a real thing. There we go. <laughs> Stock up a pop, 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 pop. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Here we go. Enough uh, toying around, Nick. Let's see what we're reviewing next week, buddy. Here we go. Three, two, one, and we're off. All these picks provided from our oh sweet, sweet goodness. patrons. We thank you guys so, so much. There's a couple in here Maybe. I've heard of, and then I'll. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my yes! God. Yes. Oh my God! Um, can you tell the people what this is, even? So tell them what it landed on, and explain what's happening for the audio audience. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, it landed on it. It doesn't designate which part, so we got to watch both. No, uh, we don't. the Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero starring. Oh, it wasn't directed by Tommy Wiseau though. Uh, best oh, friends. Oh well, that's a step the up then. R in parentheses. Uh, I've only seen par- I've only seen a work print of part one. I've never seen part two at all. So we're going to punish Gerald with four hours of Tommy Wiseau. Where are you, by the way? <laughs> You're not even on camera. I'm right <laughs> here. I want my chili. Where's my I chili? I can't see you, dude. Like, what? Uh, how am I going to edit the video of you talking out of a dog saying I want I'm right chili? here. I just want my chili. All Where's right. Where's my that's chili? Uh, that's better. There we go. Oh, wait. <laughs> Where you are. I mean, that whole segment of you talking is just going to be a dog saying, I want my chili. Because I, I, I want my chili. Where's my chili, Gerald? So what is this? Is this like going to be like a four-hour thing if it's volume one and two? Like, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, it's like, two, it's like two movies. No, I can't. do. Are we really doing that for like three days from now? It doesn't designate do a part one and a part two. How do I even watch these? Are these available in the world? I mean, I they're, mean they're available somewhere for sure. But yeah, so it stars Tommy Wiseau and, and Greg Sestero. And I don't really remember. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I don't really remember anything else about it. Like I said, I saw work print. So Loy Sauce, after he was God chained to, um, after he was chained to Greg Sestero's radiator, where because yeah. he went to the premiere. He went to the premiere in Hollywood of Best Friends because uh, he was invited there by Greg Sestero, which is like really really cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, he got access. Like Greg Sestero sent him a work print of the movie, so it wasn't a complete. It wasn't a completed cut of the movie. And that was the one we watched, and we talked about it on EFG back in the back in the Dizay. So Good I'm really excited God. to watch like the completed part one and like all of part two. Like I've never seen, I've never seen, I've never seen part two. So I'm really, really excited for it. And, well, and guys, Gerald gets to have more Tommy Wiseau. Your Wiseau's education. This is too much. Your education right is going to continue. I don't know anything about this movie. I haven't seen a poster. Uh, the only thing I know is what you just said in the last two minutes. I can tell you one thing is 100% certain Brad's $1 is not enough for this shit. All right. I can go ahead and tell you that right now. I'm going to need to get about 68 months of fucking coverage from Brad up front to cover this movie. But if I do and we do that, and that'll be the review. Uh, next Brad's week, Patreon months. from now on is going to $100 a month. And that's the only way he I gets mean, to pick on the wheel. Exactly. I mean, it's ridiculous. Maybe I'll have Brad come on to talk about it with us because I don't know if I could do this, man. I, I might just sit there and listen to you guys talk about it. This is crazy. Wow. Oh, my God. The same people that did the room, huh? I want my chili, Gerald. Where's my chili?
Does that have something to do with best friends? No, it's just a bim bam oh. bit. <laughs> All right, okay. All right. I got. I was I looking for a new do, background. I, go... I tried to make my background just your your creepy <laughs> sex cult face, but then it just <laughs> zoomed it in on the beard. And you said, "I quote, you look like you're lost in a forest of pubes." Yeah, I said a bed of pubes, but yeah, that's fine. Well, what, what, whichever. Well, I'll accept uh, forest too. You look like a wilderness guy. Um. <laughs> I gotta go hit up the fucking local Goodwills or whatever tomorrow to see if anybody has a VHS of Best Friends I can fucking get. I'm willing to bet gotta... you. It's, let's find out where it's streaming right now. Hang on. Let's, <laughs> hang on. Find We're gonna out. find out where it's streaming. I can guarantee yes. it's on Tubi. It's like you can watch it on Prime and you can watch it on YouTube if you t- if you do a movie sphere trial. You can also watch it on Vudu. Yeah, Wait, you got to pay for all those, yeah? yeah. That's right. Gerald's going to have to pay cash money to watch a Tommy Wiseau starring movie as well. Uh, let's oh, uh, by the way, uh, our patron extraordinaire, Justin Winters, hit us up, and he wants to come on the peas. He's even willing to do some Patreon content. And he said that his first two orders of business on the Patreon would be a Goonies live commentary and a Roadhouse God, retrospective. Heaven. And I told him I'm doing it because somebody's making me watch Best Friends. God uh, in heaven. Uh, I was going to find Brad on here so I could text him that I was pissed. Uh, Roadhouse? God, I can't wait to watch And the Goonies? Like, oh my God. Vom. Where the hell is uh, Brad's number on here? Did I delete it after we spun best friends? <laughs> yeah, I think I may have deleted his number from my phone. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I can't find it. But uh, I was going to text him thanks for nothing with the fucking best friends pick. All right, let's wrap this up, Nick. All right, man, so uh, we'll get together in a few days. We will record some type of review for a movie called Best Friends with the R in parentheses that has a volume one and a volume two that may or may not be streaming on streaming on Google earth uh, incorporated or something like that. I got to fucking pay $19 a month. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And I think Tommy was those involved. So I know Nick is on board and then the golden peas will also air next week. It'll be on YouTube on Monday, the 19th. It'll be uh, for the audio audience that same week. So uh, keep your ears peeled for that. Nick, I enjoyed discussing Lisa Frankenstein with you, even though your opinion was extremely wrong this week. Thank you for joining me. It means wow. Really? You're going to take it there. And it's only three hours and 15 minutes for the two of them combined, Gerald. Uh, I think you can survive that a little bit better. They're both on prime. Apparently you could watch them for free with a movie sphere trial, or you can just rent each one of them for $3 and 99 cents. <laughs> you can watch them. You can watch them for free with Dr. Kevorkian. <laughs> It'll fucking help you at the end of the screening. All right. Like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't remember uh, Volume One as being bad. I, I don't remember it as being great or anything. But I, I at the very least, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to visit both of them. It's three oh, hours. Listen, you watch Killers of the Flower Moon. I don't want to hear it. I did. That's an Oscar-nominated film. That's an I want to hear it. And, and look, this this stars Tommy Wiseau, who is mm-hmm. the Leonardo DiCaprio of the Room type of movies, what uh, or something. I don't even know. I lost that. I'm up on the on roof that. for the room now. Like, I'm up <laughs> on the roof, baby. Like, get out I'm gonna of here. I'm going to take a hard disagree with you on that. But nonetheless, I did enjoy this episode. Hey, thanks for sticking it out to the end of my sickness. I, I definitely 
thought I was dying, so I did. Golden Peas, ladies and gentlemen. Golden Peas Monday. Tune in. Loy Sauce got a podcasting. Loy Sauce coming back into the fold. Nick, I'll see you then, man. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you then and next week for Best Friends. And Brad, we love Take you. Take care, everybody. Brad, don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs>